The Old Testament reading is from Genesis, the seventh chapter. In the 600th year of Noah's life, in the second month on the 17th day of the month, on that day all the fountains of the great deep burst forth, and the windows of the heavens were opened, and rain fell upon the earth forty days and forty nights. On the very same day, Noah and his sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth and Noah's wife and the three wives of his sons with them entered the ark, they and every beast according to its kind, and all the livestock according to their kinds, and every creeping thing that creeps on the earth according to its kind, and every bird according to its kind, every winged creature. They went into the ark with Noah, two and two of all flesh, in which there was the breath of life. And those that entered, male and female of all flesh, went in as God had commanded him. And the Lord shut him in. The flood continued forty days on the earth. The waters increased and bore up the ark, and it rose high above the earth. The waters prevailed and increased greatly on the earth. And the ark floated on the face of the waters. And the waters prevailed so mightily on the earth that all the high mountains under the whole heaven were covered. The waters prevailed above the mountains, covering them fifteen cubits deep. And all flesh died that moved on the earth. Birds, livestock, beasts, all swarming creatures that swarm on the earth and all mankind. Everything on the dry land in whose nostrils was the breath of life died. He blotted out every living thing that was on the face of the ground, man and animals, creeping things, and birds of the heavens. They were blotted out from the earth. Only Noah was left and those who were with him in the ark. O Lord, have mercy on us. Thanks be to God. Epistle reading. The epistle is from 1 Peter, the third chapter. For it is better to suffer for doing good, if that should be God's will, than for doing evil. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit, in which he went and proclaimed to the spirits in prison, because they formerly did not obey, when God's patience waited in the days of Noah, while the ark was being prepared, in which a few, that is, eight persons were brought safely through water. Baptism, which corresponds to this, now saves you, not as a removal of dirt from the body, but as an appeal to God for a good conscience through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven and is at the right hand of God with angels, authorities, and powers having been subjected to him. O Lord, have mercy on us. Thanks Thanks be be to God. God. But our Holy Gospel for today continues the theme of water. And so we read from the Holy Gospel to, according to St. John, the third chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. And this man came to Jesus by night and he said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. And Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. 
And Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? And Jesus answered, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. And so it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Well, grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Next to the air that we breathe, water is the most abundant element in all of the world. Water assumes many forms, depending on the temperature. Water can be a solid, water can be a liquid, and water can take on the form of gas. Anyone who's ever had a water pipe burst in their home or experienced erosion knows firsthand the destructive nature of, of water. Flash floods can roll boulders, tear up trees, destroy buildings and bridges, and scour out new channels. The devastating nature of water was described in our Old Testament lesson for today. When God covered the earth with water, annihilating wicked man and, and scarring the earth. And, God, and water's destructive power can be seen when God delivered a deadly blow to Egypt's army as the walls of the Red Sea slammed down upon the Egyptians, drowning them and ending their lives. But as destructive as water can be, water is also the source of life. I mean, where there's water, there's not only life, but there's cleansing, and there's refreshment, and there's refreshment, and there's renewal, and there's reshaping. And therefore, water plays a very prominent role in the biblical narrative. For example, when Israel is thirsty as they're wandering around in the wilderness, God sweetens the bitter waters of Marah and makes fresh water flow from a hard rock, quenching their thirst. And under Joshua, God leads Israel into the promised land and he parts the Jordan River, giving them not only new land, but a new lease on life. And then in the days of the kings, God heals Naaman of leprosy by instructing him through the prophet Elisha to wash himself in the Jordan River. In the New Testament, Jesus launches his ministry from water, doesn't he? When he is baptized by John the Baptist in the Jordan River. And Jesus encourages, even exhorts Nicodemus, as we heard in the gospel lesson for today, to be born again of water and the Spirit. And Jesus, he offers living water to the Samaritan woman at Jacob's well, quenching her spiritual thirst. 
And the Bible tells us that Jesus had water and blood flowing from his side as he hangs on the cross of Calvary. And it's that water and blood that cleanses us from our sin. Yes, water is prominent in the Bible. Right from the very first chapter of Genesis, chapter 1, verse 2, where the Spirit of the Lord is hovering over the waters. And then in Genesis chapter 2, verse 10, we learn that God created a, a spring and a river that flowed through the Garden of Eden. And then we read in the very last chapter of the Bible, the book of Revelation, the 22nd chapter, verse 1, that there's a river of the water of life that flows from the throne of God and the Lamb through the middle of the great street of the city of God. And not to be overlooked, although God made Adam from the dust of the earth, the other earthly element our Creator used in forming Adam was water. I mean, our human body is about 66% water. It's no wonder that we need water to stay alive. Every cell, every tissue, and every organ in our body needs water to work properly. I mean, w water helps us get rid of the waste that we have in our body through urination and perspiration and bowel movements. Water keeps our temperature normal. Water lubricates and cushions our joints and protects sensitive tissues. But not only does water, or not only does God use water to give us physical life and to sustain us in that physical life, but God uses water to make us spiritually alive. I mean, remember the words that Jesus said to Nicodemus? Jesus said, truly, truly, I say to you, Nicodemus, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. And Ananias said to, said to Paul, why do you wait? Rise and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling on Jesus' name. And then Paul says, he says, he saved us, that is, God saved us not because of our works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy he saved us by the washing of regeneration and the renewal of the Holy Spirit. And again, St. Paul says to the Ephesian Christians, Christ loved the church and he gave himself up for her that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word. And so when we are baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, in His life-giving water, it's like we are being soaked from head to toe in God's sweet grace. Well, let's talk for a moment about dehydration. Dehydration is a condition that we experience when our body lacks water. And when we're dehydrated, our body will not carry out its normal functions. Even mild dehydration will result in us having less energy and we'll be more tired. I'm told we use 8 to 12 cups of water every day through just breathing and perspiring and through our urine and bowel movements. I mean, the water we use 
needs to be replenished or will experience dehydration. In general, men need at least 12 cups of fluids of every single day, while women require a minimum of nine cups. And of course, our need for fluids depends on factors like increased exercise, hot weather, high altitude, or high fiber diets. But to prevent dehydration, we need to replenish daily our depleted water supply. And God, being the magnificent creator that he is, builds our bodies in such a way that our body gives us warning signs that we're becoming dehydrated. Like, like we might feel thirsty, desiring some fluids. We might see dark-colored, strong-smelling urine, knowing that we're becoming dehydrated. We might find ourselves peeing less frequently, which is a sign that we're becoming dehydrated. We might find ourselves becoming dizzy or lightheaded or feeling tired. We might experience a dry mouth or lips or tongue. And our children, if they're becoming dehydrated, might have signs of diarrhea and vomiting. But these are all signs that we better start drinking, taking in some good positive fluids, refreshing fluids. Just as we become dehydrated physically, we can become dehydrated spiritually. I mean, every day we deplete our water supply as we wrestle with our sinful thoughts and actions, as we swim against the current of a toxic world, as we battle the temptations of the devil, as we run a marathon of faith whose trails take us through the valleys of distress, draining every strength within us. Yes, we can become spiritually dehydrated, and we do, as we deplete our water supply daily. And there are warning signs. There's warning signs that we are becoming spiritually dehydrated. I mean, we might find ourselves thirsting for that living water. We might find ourselves becoming weary and troubled in soul and mind. We might find ourselves experiencing confusion over what we believe or who we are or why it is that we're even here on earth. We may attend worship less frequently. We may pray more intermittently. We may commune rarely. And we may find ourselves disconnecting ourselves from our church family and from our Christian friends. As we become spiritually dehydrated, we might find ourselves growing impatient. We might find it a little bit easier for us to become angry. We might find ourselves devolving into depression more frequently. We might find anxiety building. And then, of course, if dehydration really becomes bad, we might find ourselves just outright adopting lifestyle choices that are spiritually unhealthy and damaging to our soul. And so just as there are ways to stay hydrated by drinking like 9 to 15 or 20 or 35 cups of water, as some doctors say or whatever, I exaggerate, there are ways for us to proactively remain hydrated spiritually. 
through the prophet Isaiah, God issues an invitation to all of us. He says, come, every single one of you. Every single one of you who thirsts, come to the waters. And Jesus gets even more pointed when he invites, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. And then Jesus promises, whoever drinks of the water that I will give to him, he will never thirst again. The water that I give him will become in him like a spring of water welling up to eternal life. And so this morning, Jesus invites you and me to drink. To drink of him, for he is that living water. He is the one that can refresh and renew our soul. He is the one who washes away our sin. He is the one that invigorates us and promises us that not even death itself will ever separate us from him. The water that he gives just flows for all eternity. So it's good for us to drink of him. The psalmist puts it this way in Psalm 1. The psalmist writes, He, that is the one who delights in the law of the Lord and on his law he meditates day and night, he, that one who meditates on God's word, is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not like that. They're like chafe or chaff that the wind drives away. And so, friends, we would do well. In fact, we would be very wise to start our mornings off, our every single morning off, by having a glass of Holy Scripture. Even before we have that morning cup of coffee, it'd be best for us to open up that Scripture or turn on our phone and go to our YouVersion app and read the verse for the day so that we might begin to drink drink the refreshing waters that, that God provides to us in his word. And then just as we carry around our water bottle faithfully, or at least many of us do, throughout the day and sip from it throughout the day, replenishing ourselves of water, so also we would be wise to carry around the sacred scriptures and sip from it occasionally throughout the day. That's the way the Lord keeps us spiritually replenished with the water that we need. And you know, it'd be prudent for us to cut out the sugary beverages of the world that are harmful to our spiritual health and well-being. We might actually take up some positive habits where we make it a regular habit to worship the Lord and interact with other Christians who share our beliefs and goals in life. We do well to soak ourselves head to toe in God's refreshing baptismal waters as we repent daily of our sin and rejoice in our baptism. And we can find ourselves being replenished frequently by attending the Lord's Supper and be fed the body and blood of Christ. Later in this service, we're going to be blessed by a song. It's entitled Grace Upon Grace. As it's being sung to you, I'm not going to ask you to sing it. We're not going to ask you to sing it. The words are in your bulletin so you can read along. But as that song is being sung to you, just focus on the words. 
Because in those words, you're going to hear these words. What can wash away my sin and make me new again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me white as snow? No other fount I know, nothing but the blood of Jesus. You know, the fount, the fount that washes away our sin and refreshes and renews us spiritually flows through the font, the baptismal font. Yes, when we're baptized in the name of the triune God, the blood of Christ that forgives us, that cleanses us, flows from his side, so to speak, through the waters of baptism to renew us, to forgive us, to reshape us. The song goes on to say, wave upon wave of grace upon grace, endlessly washing my sins away. I know the only reason I can stand here free of all my shame is wave upon wave of grace upon grace upon grace. Yes, God's grace is like a wave that just keeps crashing into the shore. But in this case, God's wave of grace crashes upon us and it refreshes us, it renews us, and it assures us that all of our sins are forgiven. And as he renews and refreshes us through his grace, it's, it enables us to face the trials and the tribulations of life, to be able to endure, and to even to prosper through those times. As you come forward, well, many of you will come forward later this, in the service to receive the Lord's Supper, to receive the body and blood of Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And as you come forward, I'm going to ask you to do something you probably have never done here before, but maybe you have. And as I want you to stop at the baptismal font, and I want you to put your finger into the water, and I filled it with water. Put your finger into there. Touch it with water, and then touch it to your forehead with the sign of the cross, and say to yourself, in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. I'm asking you to do that this morning because you see, when you were baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, God washed over you with his grace. And his grace continues to pour forth from that baptismal font day by day by day as it assures you of his, as God assures you of his love. And then come forward for the Lord's Supper or to receive a blessing and know that God's grace just flows to you from the cup, from the cup where you drink of his blood shed for you. Through the baptismal font and the Lord's Supper, this is God's way of replenishing you, of purifying you, of forgiving you, of cleansing you, of refreshing you, of renewing you, of reshaping you. You see, the baptismal font is where you once were reborn, and it's where you joyfully are refreshed and renewed every day as you drown the old Adam and rise anew, drinking the water of life that Jesus provides the water that wells up to eternal life. And just as the Holy Spirit hovered over the waters of creation, bringing forth life, 
So the Holy Spirit fills us with new life in Jesus now and forevermore. So my encouragement to you this day is drink deeply. Drink deeply of the water of life. And drink regularly. Yes, regularly, daily, from the well of God's word. You see, it's one beverage that we simply can't drink enough of. For God's word gives us life. Amen. And now may the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, guard and keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.